You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headspace, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, DJ Andrews of JaysFromTheCouch.com, with the second of two Thursday episodes for you today. If you haven't listened to the first one, you can totally go back to it. I won't be offended. Uh, we just talk about the MLB's plan to return to action and why it's going to horribly blow up. So, you know, real uplifting stuff. So check that out. If you're subscribed to the podcast, it'll be in your list. So... If you're not subscribed, you should probably do that. Just a thought. Anyway, I said we were going to look at the virtual Blue Jays in this episode and at least see what possibly might have been. I know it's a little more favorable than some of the other simulations that I've been seeing. That's not a stretch, but... The Blue Jays have emerged from a very tough schedule to open the season. They play Boston, Cincinnati, the Yankees, and Philadelphia. And they are 6-6, entering a seven-game homestand against the Royals and the battered Twins, who are going to be without Max Kepler, are going to be without Josh Donaldson. We'll be previewing that a little later on, but I want to talk to y'all since the last time we discussed what was going on on the virtual diamond I was a little skittish let's see skittish about what was going on with the Blue Jays at the time they were 3-5 and they'd just come off an 11-3 loss to the Yankees and I had Jason from the couch writer Karen Sutar on and We talked about a lot of the problems that were facing the team and just what what could be done about it. And a lot of what Karen had to say was just to relax. It's very early on. There will be some tough times, but the Blue Jays will play to the level they are to be expected at. And... Sure enough, since Karen came on and uttered those calming words, Toronto went three and one. They have won three in a row. I I guess the words just didn't get to them in time on Saturday before a seven four loss to clinch the series for the Yankees. It was, I mean, it it was something you could see coming. You knew Chase Anderson wasn't going to throw seven scoreless against the Yankees in Yankee Stadium. You kind of expected him to do a little better than giving up four runs in the first inning, but it was what it was. Still, there were signs of life in that game, which I think could be appreciated. And I'm I'm actually going to start with, with one of the names who's really, you know, started to pull himself out of an early hole that he kind of dug in the season, and that would be Everything Gritch's favorite player, Randall Gritchek. Now, he's making $14 million this season, and he definitely wasn't earning it through the start of the campaign. After that, 
uh, 11-3 loss that we talked about. Uh, he was batting 080 on the season. Had no PS of 299. Not even a decent like batting average. So there was panic. And not Joe panic, unfortunately. But Grichik's one of those guys who, you know, tends to start slowly and, and then pick it up. And maybe he's doing that a little early. He was two for four in that loss. And since then, he has hit in four straight games. He's raised his batting average up to 200 entering today's game against the Royals. And the big, we'll talk about the big blow he had uh, on Monday against the Phillies, which it it was his only hit in the game, but it was such a huge hit. And, and that is a lot of what we talked about uh, for the Blue Jays. And their offense had been very, you know, very easy to pinpoint. In the early going, it was like, hope Vladimir Guerrero Jr. does something and hope you get enough pitching to make it stick. There was not a lot of support coming from the rest of the offense. And Grichik starting to step up um, near the end of the Yankees series. Obviously going to be a big boost. Um, you you look at, at some of the guys who Toronto's been expecting to produce. Uh, Travis Shaw has been in a slump, a 3-for-24 slump for Shaw, seeing his average plummet to 269. He did have a home run uh, against the Phillies, but for a guy who, you know, was expected to just take the starting job outright from Rowdy to Les, it's actually starting to become a competition again. Um... According to Charlie Montoyo, Rowdy Teles has earned more playing time. He's starting at DH tonight against uh, lefty Danny Duffy for Kansas City. And, you know, in the past, obviously, Rowdy was well protected from those left-handers. But you look at the options in that lineup for who could possibly step in, and, and they're not any really good options and this is a weakness that the Blue Jays have that they need to overcome in both starts so far against left-handed pitchers they faced Eduardo Rodriguez and then Martin Perez both in the Boston series they get they were bulk lefty guys we can't we can't really include Jay Happ unfortunately that was just a very rough event to see Happ leaving in the first inning of Sunday's contest. I mean, it, it worked out for the Blue Jays. Obviously, they got the 6-4 win. But it wasn't really a left-handed start. I mean, Ben Heller gave up most of the runs there. So the Blue Jays are still 1-2 and two in starts against left-handed pitching. And you, you look at the roster and you can see why. Because, again, if Tellez is forced to start, at DH in this one. Mostly because there aren't any options other than him. I mean, you look, Teoscar Hernandez has been cold. Derek Fisher shouldn't be out there against lefties any more than Rowdy Tellez is. Reese McGuire doesn't have the advantage. Um, 
Joe Panic and Anthony Alford should not be DHs. If you're using them as DHs, that's a sign of very, very troubling lineups. And so it's Rowdy by default. And it's nice to see them that Montoyo has more faith in Rowdy to give him a shot to put him in. And, you know, they're, Rowdy's earned it. I mean, it's not like he's just getting in there by default. Um, Telez is actually third in the team in home runs and RBIs with three and seven. He's batting above 300. He's He's got a 316 batting average and a, and a 435 on base percentage. That's much more in line with his AAA numbers. So if Rowdy can keep doing that, he's going to put more pressure on Travis Shaw to justify, you know, being in the lineup. Or maybe he just takes the DH spot and makes it his own. And... You know, if they if they try to give Vladdy or, or Bo a rest from playing in the field, it will be difficult. But the Blue Jays right now don't seem inclined to give their young guys a break. They're going to keep running them out there as, as long as they're healthy. And they kind of have to in Vladdy's case. Again, he's, he's off to a great start to the season. Um... Six home runs, 16 RBIs, batting 370. He's already starting to insert himself in the MVP conversation. Amazingly does not lead the team in home runs. And that's the that's the other batter I want to talk about. I don't want to talk about the struggles right now. Bo Bichette's only hitting 208. Danny Chanson is batting 118. No, neither Teoscar Hernandez or Derek Fisher want to seize the right field job. That's all fine. We can talk about that another day, but this is a happy one. So I have to mention the start that Lourdes Gurriel Jr. has had to this campaign. Um, He had home runs in two of the three games that the Blue Jays won this week. Four for five performance against the Phillies in that 7 nothing win. We'll talk about it a little more in the second half when we get to the pitching. He's... He's done everything that he needs to do to justify holding on to that left field slot. He's only been held hitless in two of the 12 games so far that he's played in. That That is an incredible thing. And, and you wouldn't guess it just on the surface stats. Like, he was hitting home runs. Like, he has as many home runs as the entire Kansas City starting lineup tonight combined. He has matched them by himself. So he was hitting home runs, but he wasn't consistently getting on base. And that four for five game on Tuesday against the Phillies was just, it it was precision hitting at its finest. And if he can step up and be that protection that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. did not have last year, it's why he was struggling a, a bit. He wasn't getting any pitches because, like, who who would prevent teams from treating him with the same amount of care as, like, a a chemical solution that they're trying to pour? Like, I, I'm not a science major. I couldn't think of one right off my head. But you know the type when they're balancing the chemicals and, and all of a sudden it explodes in their face. That's That's what I was looking for. So, with Guriel performing behind him it makes Vlad Jr. better because he has 
better pitches to hit because all of a sudden Gurriel is a 320 hitter with seven home runs. He's not someone that you can just put Vladdy on and just be like, okay, he's there, he's fine. We don't have to worry about it. And that's what the Blue Jays were looking like early in the season. With Gurriel stepping up like this, finally he has some protection. And, you know, again, hopefully the Blue Jays can keep it going to the point where they can be this effective. And, again, we're going to talk about the 7-0 game in the second half because it was it was beautiful. One thing, one blemish on it, but it was beautiful. So, yeah, just it's nice to see the offense starting to take the load off Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s shoulders. And if Gurriel can do it a little more consistently, and if Rowdy Telez getting more playing time bears more fruit, then that's great. And if Poe ever gets hitting, they'll they'll be a force. And I know I said I wasn't going to get negative with Bo. We can talk about that another time. Anyway, we will move on to some of the pitching performances Right after this break, just a reminder, though, that this episode is brought to you by our friends at Postmates. Whatever you need from uh, a run to McDonald's to get breakfast at 10 a.m., which is what I ended up doing today, uh, to a run to the liquor store at 4 p.m. because they close early now. Whatever you need, Postmates can do it for you. They are... Experts at delivering what you need fast, whether it be restaurant food, groceries, uh, convenience store stuff, um, clothing, whatever you need, Postmates can get it to you. You can download the app right to your phone. You pick out your favorite businesses and you just place your order and Postmates will get it to you within the hour. They are that good. They are that efficient. So you don't have to worry about going out there in these kind of times. You can let Postmates do it for you. And right now... For a limited time, Postmates is giving listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. So you just download the app, sign up, and you get $100 worth of credit for a week. And and there's no minimum. You can be like, I want a stick of gum. And they will go get it because that's what they do. So that's code locked on to get $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days when you download that Postmates app. So anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily Toronto Blue Jays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we are back. So one of the main issues with the Blue Jays so far has been the pitching. As I talked about with Karen Sutar last week, the pitching was abhorrent. It was ineffective. It was disgusting to watch just hit after hit after hit fall in. And honestly, it looked like more of the same was going to happen again. Chase Anderson came out for a second start. We knew he wasn't going to repeat the performance he had uh, against Boston. But giving up four runs early like that, just it put the Blue Jays in a hole that they could not take themselves out of so it looked like despite the fact that they were starting to get some hits 
the pitching was going to weigh them down again. And that actually continued in the Sunday game, the finale against the Yankees. Trent Thornton was not effective whatsoever. He only lasted four and a third innings. He gave up 10 hits. I mean, he struck out seven, which, all right, Trent, that's great. Doesn't really help if you have a lot of people on base. And given what happened with Jay Happ, you could almost feel like the Blue Jays were in danger of letting that game slip away. And then you entered Danny Salazar, of all people. Um, Salazar, obviously not on the roster in mean life, but because the fans wanted him, we signed him to a one-year deal to operate as that kind of swingman out of the pen. And he did just that in that Sunday game. He came in, delivered two and two-thirds innings of shutout baseball, only gave up two hits, walked one batter, only struck out two. So not what Salazar is really known for, but he was effective enough to get the Blue Jays to a position where they could turn to the back end of that bullpen. And Anthony Bass comes in, delivers a perfect inning. Ken Giles comes in, all amped up, and he strikes out the side. Like, how how perfect was that to see Ken Giles go out there and deliver you know, pitch after pitch. And, and it wasn't just to the scrubs. He struck out Aaron Judge. He struck out Giancarlo Stanton. And then he struck out Glaber Torres, the thorn in the side of every American League East team, but especially Baltimore. To see him take control like that after such shaky performances against the Reds, that, that inspired confidence. And it almost seems that Seems like it translated a bit. The Monday game, the 6-2 game. Maybe it was because he was back in a familiar park in a National League park, but Hyunjin Ryu was very efficient in that one. Delivered his first quality start as a Blue Jay, six innings. Only gave up four hits, two walks. That's exactly what the Blue Jays want to see out of him. And again, the bullpen comes in, shuts it down. A couple guys who were maligned uh, in last week's podcast. Cast Rafael Delis, perfect inning. Anthony Bass, two straight outings, spotless. Thomas Pannone comes in, the only lefty in the pen, Thomas Pannone. And and he delivers a clean frame. And you could almost feel that kind of confidence coming back in the pitching staff. Like, like this is how things were supposed to operate. Rowdy Tellez also hit a home run in that game that really put things out of reach and meant Giles wasn't necessary in that one. So probably what helped Rowdy Tellez get get a little more attention for for some more playing time. But then that Tuesday game, that 7-0 shutout, that two-hit performance. And again, you it, it could have been so much worse because seeing Tanner Roark go down the way he did doubles off Zach Wheeler looks like he's ready to help to his own cause and he strained his abdominal muscle sliding head first into second first of all stop sliding head first never ends well you're gonna jam your face especially if you're a pitcher why are you sliding head first that makes no bloody sense Tanner learn to slide with your feet bud so it was a shame because Tanner was perfect for those first three innings. And 
with Zach Wheeler giving up the hits the way he has been this season, you knew the Blue Jays were going to give him something to work with. And once he went down, you could see, you know, what happened to the Yankees on Sunday happening to the Blue Jays on Tuesday. Like, okay, the bullpen's going to come in and, and there's going to be a weak link. But no, it was shut down baseball. It started with Shun Yamaguchi coming in, striking out four of the seven batters he faced, only gave up the one walk. Sam Gaviglio, he of the let's give up five runs in one inning to the Yankees that I was not pleased with. He delivers two scoreless innings to get his ERA down below 10. It's great. Wilmer Font, the ace of the bullpen, comes in for one and two-thirds innings, and then Pannone gets the final out because Didi Gregorius came out. And and even then, Pannone struck him out. Lefty on lefty crime. It, it, it just, it was a perfect link through the bullpen there. And... I've been really impressed with Wilmer Font. He's he's starting to show he can be that kind of reliable arm in the bullpen. And, you know, if if Dolis is able to settle down, that's that's four guys, theoretically. Giles, Bass, Dolis, and Font that the Blue Jays can rely on. And that's not even including Yamaguchi and and Salazar. It it gives you hope that that you know, the Blue Jays may have figured something out with their pitching staff. Now, obviously with the injury to Roark, it's going to remain to be seen how they handle that. Do they let Salazar start a game? Do they let um, Shun Yamaguchi start a game? It will remain to be seen. Maybe Nate Pearson gets called up. Who knows? Um, probably not likely with uh, Roark not going on the IL, but... That will remain to be seen. For now, especially with the off day coming yesterday, they seem to be set. They'll go Shoemaker, Anderson, Ryu, and Thornton at, at various times during the series from the looks of it, and then probably reevaluate when the Twins come to town. And if Roark's ready to go, I mean, that'd be great. But there's at least a sign that, you know, unlike those bullpen games from last year, it won't be a lost cause right off the bat for the Blue Jays. And and that's a sign of growth. So at least we can take that and and go forward knowing it isn't hopeless. 2020, it isn't hopeless. I feel almost silly saying that in the face of everything's going on, but hey, we gotta find hope somewhere. And I hope I was able to provide a little something on this Thursday night. I went a little long and just that's how excited I am to talk about baseball. I will talk for an extra long period of time about fake baseball just to be able to talk baseball. And you heard me earlier. I hope you heard me earlier talking about the MLB plan and how I kind of savaged it. So just know how conflicted I am here. Anyway, I appreciate all of you for listening just a reminder, if you're not subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Himalaya, however you get podcasts, you can subscribe to Locked on Jays so you don't miss an episode and miss your fix of this baseball talk. Um, to follow along with the games as they are played, you can follow me on Twitter at A underscore J 
underscore Andrews. The underscores are in there because Twitter is dumb, but it allows me to get stuff like this out. So whatever. And the podcast is on there at Locked on Jays. It's also on Facebook. Same thing. You can follow along. And we will be back hopefully tomorrow. Again, I want to try something tomorrow. I'll, I'll try and wake up. I can't promise it'll be the the 9.15 wake up that I had today. Because my sister-in-law and my mother will not be calling at the same time. But try to get up and we'll try and have a discussion on on some figures of the Blue Jays past and and what they mean and I got a couple ideas for the first one that I I want to talk about and we'll see how it goes so until then I will leave you I will start broadcasting the first of four between the Royals and Blue Jays and if you want to wait uh, and enjoy it later what you can do in the meantime is tell your smart device, hey, smart device, play Locked On Fantasy Baseball and get a different version of the fantasy baseball that we've been talking about here. Scott Cullen hosts that show. He's an excellent fantasy mind. Check him out. So when baseball does come back, you're ready for your draft. You can pounce and just dominate your league. So check that out. And until we talk again, for everyone at the Locked On Podcast Network and everyone, at jaysrunacouch.com. I'm AJ Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episodes. And y'all take care.